0: Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 162, John and Wendy talk to Chris Taylor. I'm your host, John.
1: And I'm Wendy. How are you today, John?
0: Wendy, I'm well. Happy April to you.
1: Happy April. Woo-hoo.
0: This is coming out, I believe, on April 1st. It is not April Fool's.
1: <laughs> Wendy,
0: we are in the British Invasion Month of the Woo-hoo. HR Social Hour.
1: This is awesome. Next best thing to actually going.
0: Yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> we talked briefly in our last episode that we were doing this and we were preparing people. We wanted them to understand why why we think this is valuable for us, as John and Wendy, but for the listeners and, and particularly to continue to build our global community. And so I had an opportunity to talk to Chris a little while back, and he's got a podcast where we talk more about that. I think there's just so many good things going on around the globe from an HR perspective that those of us particularly, and, and let's face it, the majority of our listeners are here in the States, which is a yep. great thing. Yep, They need to know. You all need to know what's happening out there. And we think, as Wendy said last week, we want to introduce cool people to cool people. So uh-huh. we're opening up the globe, yes. the scope of that. So uh-huh. Wendy, I don't know if you if you have anything else to add. If not, we can make the introduction and, and get started.
1: Of course. Yeah. You know, this is, this is your opportunity to understand we are not that different across the world. So definitely hope you guys check these out and really enjoy them. Our first one is Chris Taylor. So excited to welcome you to the show, Chris. He hasn't always been in an HR and actually began his career in marketing, where he built a successful communications and branding agency. He then spent a number of years in commercial and HR role at a private members club in London's Mayfair. Latterly, he founded a highly successful boutique talent agency called Christopher Taylor Associates that was purchased by a competitor in late 2019. Chris has recently lost an HR consultancy called Accelerator HR for the startup and SME sectors, using both his HR and marketing skills to offer organizations pragmatic HR solutions to help them succeed in their marketplace. He is also the host of the new podcast, Oven Ready HR, where he looks at the amazing world of work through a broad HR lens. Chris lives in the UK with his partner and is the proud owner of a Whippet called Mr. Pip. Well, Chris, again, so excited to welcome you to the show today. First question, what is in your glass?
2: Guys, thank you very much for having me. Um, okay, so I need I need to sort of put, put a thing here first. It's two o'clock in the afternoon in the UK, so thank <laughs> um, <laughs> you. I have a very chilled glass of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, um, which Ooh. is absolutely delicious. And I may have another one this afternoon after that, so who knows? Um, I but love it. That's my glass of... Of the afternoon,
1: <laughs> sounds lovely.
2: Thank you.
0: One of the things that we are working through, obviously, is with these time differences. Mm-hmm. We recognize, you know, typical our typical schedule pulling back the curtain. We typically talk to people in the evenings. Sure. That's not necessarily feasible here, so we may not necessarily have things in our glass being on a Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, we still have much of the day ahead of us, but yes. if, in spirit, we are there. And, and Chris, again, so glad you're able to join us. Now, I have to ask, how in the world? Do you make that move from marketing into the world of human resources?
2: I think I think it was always apparent to me that actually if you're in marketing and you're creating campaigns or you're creating messaging and you're trying to attract consumers, where it would always go wrong would be that if you had a workforce that wasn't particularly engaged in the service or the product that you were providing. So for me, from a marketing perspective, I think it was always absolutely critical to ensure that whatever you were working on to attract the consumer – whatever business that you're in, whatever you're doing, whatever service you provide. It was vital that actually the workforce delivered that final, you know, that last mile bit of, of of service or interaction with the consumer. And it always seemed to fall down. The marketing would provide all this wonderful collateral and messaging and branding. But actually, when you went to the store or you whatever it is that you did, If you then encountered someone who wasn't particularly, let's say, customer friendly or or focused on, on, on service delivery, all of that branding, all of that investment, all of that messaging went completely out of the window. So to me, I think HR and marketing have a really special relationship, which kind of needs to be enhanced and developed so that actually whatever marketing does, HR can also deliver that final mile by providing or creating an engaged and motivated workforce to delight the customer. That's how I kind of position it. So I'm not pure HR, I would say. I'm probably at least 40% of me is is marketing. So I really like the marketing aspect of it. And also, actually, if we're looking at the employer of choice and and that whole sort of branding of, of, of employer engagement, it's really important that HR people have the basics of marketing and they understand how to attract an audience, how to talk to people, and how to engage with people.
0: Can I take pure HR? I want to take it and make actually make impure HR. <laughs> I think there's something there.
2: <laughs> HR makes me really cross, but anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Frustrated. <laughs> so, what, pure HR, how do you mean? What do you want?
0: Oh, no, I just, I literally meant like the, the name idea, the topic of pure HR, <laughs> just, you, you've taken that, you know, you have oven ready. We can just take pure and impure HR. And that, oh, I'm like thinking of that as a marketer, I'm trying, Chris, I'm trying to get there. <laughs>
1: the different levels of uh, like olive oil. You know?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess from my perspective, this is whatever HR procedures or policies or interactions that I have with the client today. I have one eye on actually what it ultimately means for the customer at the end. So the person that actually comes into the store or shops online or whatever they do, whatever we have to do as an HR profession or HR people, we have to have one eye on the person that ultimately pays the bill and obviously pays our salaries at the same time. We cannot just be an ivory tower sort of function, which sort of does things in in remote of the organization. So we've got to build relationships with marketing. We certainly have to build relationships with finance. And we certainly have to build relationships with IT and any other business function. And I think maybe not so much in the United States, but I think in the UK, there's an awful lot of quite ivory tower HR professionals (laughs) that don't want to get their hands dirty and have never spent any time on the shop floor, who don't ever talk to customers. And I think that's that's a real shame because I think one of our key roles as an HR profession is we've got to understand what the customer really wants because that's what we need to deliver. We need to deliver those those employees and those workers that are happy and engaged and motivated and wish to delight the client. So I, I try and knit the two together. And sometimes clients get it, sometimes clients don't get it. And actually, lots of HR professionals I talk to don't necessarily get it either. But that's that's how I see the profession developing and moving.
1: Oh, well, for sure. And I think you know the the whole blending of marketing and, and HR those functions. I do mostly talent acquisition, mm-hmm. and every customer is a potential employee. So your yes. your employment brand, your employee or candidate experience, your applicant experience starts. Long before anyone decides to fill out that application, yeah, and so we spend way too much time focused on how are they getting us their information, as opposed to how are we treating them from the moment they walk into our location, go to our website to buy something, come to go into our clinics.
2: But Wendy, I totally agree with what you said because um, you know last year I I looked at actually potentially applying for a, for a position, an HR position for a company that I was a customer of my sort of applicant journey was so poor and so bad that actually I decided I was never going to buy from this customer. this this ever again. And I thought, you know what, this has, this has consequences. So if you have a poor talent acquisition strategy and you don't get back to potential candidates and, and you make it so difficult for them, it does have a consequence. And I thought, no, I'm not going to spend my 30, $40 a month, whatever I was spending with them. That's gone somewhere else.
1: It is that whole getting out of our ivory towers and connecting across across the board. I mean, yeah. I, I've been in this long enough to know all about the wars between HR and marketing, and <laughs> we are still having them, <laughs> despite the fact our ultimate goal is the exact same thing.
2: Exactly, exactly. And the two of us should work so so closely together yes. that we understand one another because they've got skills that we need, and also yeah. we've got skills – they really need to. So it's, it's, it's got to be a partnership. Definitely. Definitely.
1: Ah, I love it. But now you have, you know, you're talking about your clients and you have your own business. Yeah. What led you to do that? What led you to go out on your own?
2: Because they're probably unemployable if I'm honest. (laughs) 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 I, you know, I had this talent business. I had this, I had this talent business and I did that for five years and I had absolutely no experience whatsoever of being in recruitment or talent or whatever. And I thought, I could do this better than the market. I'm going to be better than them. And I'm, I modeled myself on absolutely nobody. I never looked at any of my competitors. And I thought, I'm going to do this from the position of an applicant. I want to know. I want to work out this journey And I want to be able to get back to people and I want to have, I want to listen to them. I want to give them good advice. I want to give honest advice. And at the same time, I want to sort of develop something which the clients go, okay, he's really understood the brief. He really knows, he gives us the best candidates um, and it's an absolutely smooth as possible process. And I did that and I built it and actually it was really successful. And then I, it was just, it be, actually became too successful and I became rough and I became exhausted by it. If I'm honest, I became absolutely exhausted. Um, my partner and I were on holiday in Barcelona. The phone didn't stop ringing. It was a complete and utter waste of time of being on holiday. And then I, at that point I decided that no, I don't want to do this anymore. And lo and behold, I, so I sold the business in November, 2019. And of course, Looking back now with a global pandemic, I was, you know, I was lucky. Uh, But that was pure luck. I didn't see anything coming. I literally thought, this is a hard stop. So then I was going to take off last year. and I was going to go traveling. And actually, I did manage to go to Japan and I went to Thailand and other countries. And then, of course, you know, one had to come back because (laughs) there was no flights anywhere. (laughs) 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 And I didn't want to be... Did I want to be stuck in a five-star resort in Thailand? Yeah, I kind of thought that would be rather nice. But no, I came home and then I thought, you know, okay, I've got to do something. And I don't think I'm particularly employable. I'm probably a bit of a pain in the neck, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I thought, okay, I I think I've, you know, I could do this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this in a different way. And therefore I thought, no, let's combine the marketing and the HR into a business, which for startups and small to medium-sized enterprises, let's give them or we'll help them with my expertise and see how we go. And at the moment, it's it's going really well.
0: I feel like we're emerging, at least here in in the US, and, and I'm hoping there as well. Sure. We seem to be emerging from much of the cloud of COVID, for lack of a better word. What do you believe the biggest challenge is going to be for the customers, the businesses that you work with and potentially be dealing with in the next many months to a year, what, what are they going to be really focused on? Or what do you believe they should be focused on from an HR perspective?
2: I I think at the moment, I think a lot of employees are quite nervous about going back to the office because here in the UK, we've actually been ordered almost by law to, if you can work from home, then you should be working from home. That's about to change. But I think a lot of people have got incredibly used to being at home and are slightly nervous about getting on a commuter train again or or whatever and going back into an office. So I think there's an awful lot of talk and work to be done in HR about reassuring people and, and making sure that their well-being is being looked after. I also think that this has given us, perhaps it's accelerated the whole flexibility in terms of where I'd like to work. And I think most people now would like a hybrid model of they can work a couple of days at home and they can work two or three days in the office or, or something of that sort of, of makeup. Because I think this has shown us that the technology at least has shown us that we can be pretty effective where to where we are. And you know, we could be on a beach in Tel Aviv, and we could still be doing our work very happily. But I think what's happened is is it's, we've lost us lost a sense of creativity, and and ultimately, I think people go to work for more than just a salary. I think because they want to feel part of something that's much bigger, and and they want to, they, you know, they miss their colleagues and they miss their, those after work drinks and just the sheer joy of being with people. So I think it, it's going to be an interesting. Interesting um, move back to the office, and whether that's full time or flexible, I don't know. I think that's the big thing: is actually, what do HR departments? How are we going to structure our businesses? And, and there are certain, obviously, certain certain sectors you cannot work from home if you're in nursing or caring, or you know, you're a doctor. How do you do that from home? You can't. I don't want it to create a, a, a sort of two classes of, of employees where some people like architects or, or bankers can work from home, but whereas those in work in retail or in hospitals or, or medicine actually can't. So I think we have to kind of really work about how we're going to look at that. I think it's
0: nice to know that that is not just an issue for you. No, there really no, is no. something we're all, I mean, honestly, you know, yeah. it, it is very interesting, as you said, you know, we are starting to see, changes. I don't know if it's is it so much by locale there in terms of the idea to reopen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the entire country has been on on a lockdown since almost since the end of December. And then there are dates now which are being published, I think the 12th of April is a key date here in the UK where certain businesses can now reopen. So for example, if you want to get your nails done, or you want to get your hair cut, and um, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm looking like a, you know, (laughs) I, I could do with a haircut, and I could do with a beard trim and all of those things. But it's been a really severe lockdown here, and I don't know whether that's the case, particularly in the United States. But, but in in, in this country, it has been really severe, and you have you have been told to stay at home unless unless you're, you're you cannot work from home, you are instructed to work from home. So it's going to be a big thing to get yeah. back on a crowded train again. Very
1: much, very much. I can closed in feeling. That, of course, you know. Of course. That we I live in wide open spaces, very sparsely populated area. So I'm not a crowded train person under
2: those no circumstances. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I get a train to London, so it's, it's about an hour or so to London within, you know, it, it's, it's standing room only. And actually, how am I going to feel? How am I going to feel about that? Right. Yeah. With someone sort of standing, you know, literally shoulder to shoulder, you know, if they're not wearing a mask, am I going to be comfortable? I don't know. So there's, there's a, there's a bit of anxiety around all this, and I think that HR are going to have to sort of manage this a little bit and to make sure that the employees really do feel, you know, looked after and there is their well-being is is paramount.
1: I think, you know, too, making sure you're having those discussions with your employees about why you want them back in the office. And, yeah, and, you know those, those totally. Sorts of, those, those sorts of conversations need to start happening. I've talked to a couple of people where, you know, since they've been working at home, there's suddenly we've hired more people and we don't all fit when we come back into if we came back into the office. So now, yeah. what you know, what do we do with that? So I think there's a lot of conversations that organizations need to have before just saying, all right, come back in.
2: No, absolutely. And I noticed there was something in the news today. And I think it's the CDC that had said, actually, it, you know, with students, um, they can be three feet away now as opposed to whatever, whatever it was before. So maybe things are opening up a little bit and maybe, but I think, you know, wearing a mask, which was always, um, you know, something that happened particularly in in the Far East. I think it's, it's, it's kind of changed our culture now. And I think that wearing masks and and being more distant is, 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 is kind of in our DNA a bit now.
1: I think so. And, We've talked about it in my house, like, you know, fl- cold and flu season. We're, we go to the store, we're wearing masks because yeah. none of us got sick this year.
2: No, I know. And no one's had flu. We haven't
1: had the flu. We didn't no. even get those those little colds that no. you always get because, no. you know, the kids are, my kids are in school, but they're all masked up and they're using a lot of hands in and washing and, and, you know, there's distance. So they haven't gotten sick. Yeah, Not, not a bad thing.
2: Not a bad thing. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Let's switch gears a little bit because we love talking to other podcasters. That's one sure. of our favorite things to do. And last year you launched Oven Ready HR. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts behind starting it, your your theme and targets, and where you got the title Oven Ready.
2: <laughs> okay. So um, I'd had a couple of drinks and it was one evening and I thought...
1: <laughs> I, 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 all the best ideas start that way.
2: I'd had a couple of drinks and I and I thought, do you know, maybe I'll do a podcast and I don't know anything about podcasting. I'd never listened to a podcast in my life. And I thought, well, it can't be that difficult. How wrong could I be? And so I, I decided to set this up and I was looking for a title. And there was a big thing in this country about um, I don't know whether you guys know much about the whole sort of Brexit. Scenario, and we'd left the European Union, and the Prime Minister said at the time, "Oh, you know, it's all going to be like we'll have an oven-ready deal." So um, I just thought, okay, that's pretty good term, oven-ready, and I actually quite like the term because I think it what it says is all you got to do is put it in the oven, press the right temperature, <laughs> and in 25 minutes later, when it, when it pings, you're all done. I mean what what what's what, what's not not <laughs> to like. And I thought, do you know what I can do that with some of my uh, my my HR work is actually I will go in, they can press the button, the timer, and by the time the timer is finished and it's pinged, it's going to be done, it's going to be ready. So I thought, no, I like oven ready. And then I thought about there's other things I could do. So I thought, well, why don't I look at potentially HR, HR um, ideas that haven't worked. And I thought oh, I could call them half-baked. So I thought the whole sort of food thing, and I'm a big foodie and I love my food and I'm a big baker and cooker and all the rest of it. And it just kind of chimed with me. So, but but the reason for the podcast, um, sorry, it's a very long story. The reason for the podcast was, I just wanted to do something that I wanted to interview guests that I would never have had the chance to talk to. And it was just, you know, it was a creative outlet. I was feeling a bit down, a bit miserable. And I thought this is a good way to chat to people. So I did it. I
1: love it. And what better way? I mean, people love to be on podcasts.
2: They they really do. It's- oh, Wendy! T- to be honest with you, I mean, I'm so I'm so honoured and so privileged. And I, you know, and and the vast majority of people, some of them say no, but the vast majority of people are absolutely brilliant. And what they'll say is, um, of course, I don't mind. Of course, I'll do it. And that's so, and, and actually that sort of almost sort of reinforces my my belief in in the human spirit. Is actually we people would tend to help people. And, you know, it's a non-commercial thing. You know, there's no sponsorship, there's no nothing. It's a hobby, but it's now grown into something a little bit more than a hobby. So now it's a full-time job. But (laughs) um, I love it. I absolutely love it.
0: We understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> preaching to the converted.
0: <laughs> now, and you have decided though. I think one of the interesting things you're doing, Chris, is that you are doing
2: seasons. Correct? Yeah, taking some breaks and, and what have you. So next week is is episode eleven, and that's a really good one. That, that's very much. That's that's talking to a really interesting Irish trans woman who worked for MasterCard and she became the first person globally in her organization to transition to um, a trans woman. And we talked very much about her journey and how she talked to HR and, and you know, all, all, all the bits and pieces that go into, uh, you know, quite a complex conversation um, for her and her colleagues. So that's episode 11. And then I do the 12th one. And then I'm going to have two weeks of highlights, which I'm going to call oven ready, reheated, <laughs> brilliant right um brilliant. That, will, that will give me a break and then i can bully some other people into um appearing on my show we should save for the record because
0: he will be upset if we don't we were initially connected through steve brown who was on your show yeah and said you got it you guys have to talk and i love steve he's our number two fan and, yeah. and we appreciate that i'm listening to most of your episodes now and again i think it's interesting us to learn about what else is going on out there and and hoping that people will check it out because there are so many things that are universal there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, Steve is, Steve is, a, is an amazing man. I mean, I know that he did a, a LinkedIn update this week and, and it's incredible. He's had like a thousand comments. Um, I think he's had a promotion and I'm, I'm so, I'm so pleased to know him and, and his book that I read really resonated with me because there is such a practical application of HR and he, and he really isn't obsessed with policies and procedures. And, you know, he, he really wants to be able to engage with his workforce. And I think that's a really positive thing.
0: One of the things that we have done, regardless of seasons, we have started crowdsourcing questions. Wendy says we've given up everything. We haven't, but we do like to, <laughs> to offload some of it to the guests. And so it's
1: delegation.
0: Delegation. Kamara Toffalo asks, how can we best address gender pay inequity and close the gap?
2: Oh, no, that's an interesting one. Now, here we have, there is various legislation called, um, where organizations have to report their gender pay gap. So if you're an organization of a certain size, you have to say, this is the median salary, this is what females tend to earn, and this is what males tend to earn, and this is what we're going to do to close the gap. So I don't know whether that's the case in the United States, but here it's a really big big issue what you're going to have to do what what organizations need to do is if you're if you're looking at at bringing on new talent or you're looking at promotion is you have perhaps more than one woman on your shortlist so you tend you tend to widen the the pool of potential candidates i also think that actually women are not as confident as men in asking for pay rise somehow and I think that, you know, it, it, with men, we seem to be more confident in doing this. And I think that what HR need to do is to ensure that people are, have, you know, the, the confidence and are assertive enough to actually ask for what they want. And it's not seen as something that's being pushy. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous that, that there is gender, you know, a pay gap between between genders is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because actually I've worked with some pretty inspirational female bosses and all of them have been have been wonderful I'm in awe and as a recruiter funny enough do you know what women make far better recruiters than men do by far by far because I think that they have a much much greater emotional intelligence than what men have and they can kind of see things in in a much more rounded approach than men there we go. There's my sweeping generalization of the day. <laughs> <laughs> women women are brilliant and, and you cannot and you cannot pay you cannot pay someone less money because they're female. I mean I mean this is the twenty first century guys. I mean, come on.
1: Chris, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question Oh, go? cool.
2: Woohoo.
1: So our first question what career did you dream of having when you were a child?
2: Newsreader. I wanted to be Anderson Cooper, but I didn't know who Anderson Cooper was at that point.
1: <laughs> you wanted to be Anderson Cooper before Anderson Cooper.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's, I think he's really cool. I don't have the kind of color hair he has. Um, um, but no, I really wanted to be a newsreader. I thought that was such a nice job. You know, what better way than to sit behind a desk and talk to the nation? I mean, how cool is that?
0: Chris, who's one person you gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know?
2: I my very first podcast was with a lady called Riam Setti and uh Riam runs a business that looks very much at um diversity and inclusivity in the workplace so she's championing the blind hiring process obviously where you where you get a, a resume or a CV in and you stripped away you know all of all of the, the details that would identify who this person is and what you're doing is merely concentrating on their their knowledge and their expertise and I think that's a great way of of encouraging diversity and inclusivity in a in an organisation. And I think more employers should should use that blind hiring process. And I actually understand it came from a uni- uh, an orchestra in Boston. I think they started it first, where you know where where the conductor d- or or didn't see who was playing the piece of music. They were behind a screen. So it, it's, it's such a, I think it's such a powerful piece of and a very simple process to actually. Focus totally on expertise and knowledge.
0: It's fascinating that you mentioned the, the orchestra auditions. Yeah. I was a music major in college and was we were doing blind auditions 30 years ago. Yeah. You, you would not have no idea. You'd have the panel that was scoring, but you'd be behind a huge curtain and you yeah. go out and do your thing and they wouldn't have any idea who was there. And sometimes yeah. people were surprised when you said, here's the list and here's who's playing and what. and Yeah. Kind of look at each other like what? But it's best person on that day, regardless of who they are, that's who got it. And so you might see a a first year student all of a sudden right at the top, as opposed to those that are older or supposedly better. But yeah, very, very interesting.
2: And it removes our prejudices and it removes our, you know, unconscious bias and all that sort of thing. And I think that's a really powerful thing to do um, because I think, I think you, I think organizations will be surprised and you know, how wonderful that could be to get somebody in through that process.
1: How do you maintain balance?
2: In terms of mental balance, do you think? or
1: However you interpret it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm no gym rat, I can assure you. (laughs) (laughs) um, I lift weights and I lift weights and I love the process of lifting something heavier than the the week before. And, you know, I do my reps and I increase my numbers um, of how many reps I've done. Um, no, I'm a weight. I, I love lifting weights. And then the other thing to do is, of course, which is counterintuitive, is I eat like like a horse. Um, so um, <laughs> so I do all the good work in the gym and then sort of come back and and, and have a huge pizza. But um, that's how I do it. There's my balance. I love it. Chris, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I've had some really good feedback from my podcast, from people who said, I've really enjoyed that episode, and I've really liked what you've you've done. For me, it's if I can help anybody in terms of, of perhaps getting on, on the career ladder with their HR, or helping with their studies, or helping with anything that they want to do, that they're, they're curious about the profession, then I'd really like it if people would come and talk to me. So I've got a podcast coming up with some uh, students, university students who are studying HR. And I want to talk to them very much about their, their ideas for the future, what their dreams are, how they view the profession, what they think is right with the profession, what's wrong with the profession. If I can help students at the very beginning of their career, I think that's what I'd like to do. So I'm very much looking forward to that recording, I have to say.
1: What is your favorite movie?
2: Two movies. As a kid, it was The Goonies. You know who doesn't want to go and find a you know a pirate ship with a load of treasure, um, and then the second one is is Hidden Figures, which I think is a twenty sixteen seventeen movie um, about those brilliant African American women working at NASA, and I think that that scene where Kevin Costner says where well, you know where the hell have you been, and she says well I have to go to the bathroom in a different building, it was so. I mean, I cried and I, I, I thought this is such a powerful movie to actually show people that, you know, how far we've come, but also how, how much further we have yet to go. And I think Hidden Figures is, is, you know, it it should be compulsory viewing for everybody. Really. It's a wonderful movie. Wonderful.
0: Chris, what was the first concert you remember attending?
2: The first concert I ever attended was Michael Jackson when he played in London. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was Thriller. Uh, oh, Wow. Tour. Honestly, it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And then the second one was actually, which was a while later, was Luther Vandross of all people. Oh, wow. um, So everybody, everybody I've seen, sadly, they're no longer here. <laughs> It'd be quite nice to see someone living. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, so Michael Jackson was the first one.
1: What was the last show you watched, binge-watched?
2: I don't know whether you guys have seen it. It's a series about a serial killer, and it's called The Fall. And it's with Gillian Anderson, of you know the X Files, Gillian oh, Anderson, okay. and Jamie Dornan, who's the sort of rather attractive chap who then went on to play, I think, in Fifty Shades of Grey, that sort of oh. stuff. Um, and it's about a serial killer and how she how she catches him. And it's what's extraordinary about it is is, is how ordinary he is. Um, you know, he's actually a grief counsellor in in the show. And uh, he's married, and he's got two young children. And but there is such a dark and twisted side to him. And actually, it's, it's also it's her brilliant portrayal of of a female detective in generally in quite a misogynist sort of environment, and, and how she overcomes that. So it's it's a really good show.
0: Chris, you mentioned the Goonies. There's a, a YouTube series called Together Apart. Okay. So it's, a, it's uh, the guy from Frozen. I can't think of his name. Josh Gad. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Josh Gad did these reunion shows over the last year as fundraisers, and he did The Goonies. <laughs> it was every living actor still from the movie. Really. And Steven Spielberg showed up. Cindy Lauper showed up. You should watch it. It was very entertaining. I'm going to make very, a note about of that. It. Yeah, So, yeah, together apart. And he yeah. did not only The Goonies. He did Wayne's World and Ferris Bueller and – I think he did first. He did he did several and there bunch, yeah. it, it's just amazing though that he was able to get all this talent together and give 35 40 minutes of their life and then again it was all fundraising money went to different charities. That one I was blown away because of the the sheer number of people that he was able to get Okay. Show up and, and anyway, so I'm, I'm
2: gonna, I'm my gonna, recommendation to you today. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to check that out. I mean, it's 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 the film that every kid. I mean, it's it, it's 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 the adventure that every kid wants to be in. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, you know, there's a little bit of danger. There's a bit of this, but you know, there's treasure at the end. I mean, you know, what what's not to like?
0: Chris, what's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people?
2: I make an inordinate, an inordinate amount of bread and cakes and confectionery. <laughs> And I also consume an (laughs) (laughs) enormous, huge amount of... So um, I spend my entire weekend ripping recipes out of magazines and newspapers and printing things offline. And um, my my poor partner um, has to put up with, oh, well, let's try this this weekend. So I'm I'm a great shopper of unusual ingredients. And of course, you buy all these things and you only ever use them once. And then sort of two years down the line... You think, what's this spice for? What did I use that for? <laughs> um, so, um, at the moment, I've got a big obsession with star anise. So, w- whatever whatever thing I'm cooking has to have star anise in it now. So, that's my new my new go to um, my new uh, go to um, spice. I
1: love it.
2: Some of them work. Some of them don't. Oh, I can... <laughs> 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 There's quite a lot put out for birds and things. <laughs>
1: Um, Chris, what do you believe is the biggest misconception people have about Great
2: Britain? We all live in London. We all know the Queen. You don't? No. OK, <laughs> Scratch. this
1: is done. We're done. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you know what? It's so funny. I mean, when I've been to the States, I mean, what strikes anyone from hit this country when we go to America is, is how enormous everything is, because I think the UK would actually fit into Oregon or something. So yeah, I mean, and you probably think, well, actually, you know, I, I could drive from the you know one side of Oregon to the other in you know five seconds. Um, so <laughs> I, I, th- I think the misconception is is that is, is to say is that everyone lives in London, which of course we don't. But I think the other thing is is that you know we're all slightly obsessed with the weather, which we probably are. So I'd like I'd like everyone to know that we don't live in London, and not all of us, um, and I don't know the Queen. It's, you know, it's a nice place come and live, you know, come and visit. Um, Give it a go. The food's better than it used to be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're there making bread with star anise, it sounds like... Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Chris, we talked about crowdsourcing questions. So you have the opportunity. And as a a fellow podcaster, if you could ask the next guest of the HR Social Hour any question, what would it be?
2: Now, does the question have to be HR related or can it be something?
0: It can be whatever you would like it to be as long as it's not illegal or immoral. I think we're we're
2: good to go. All right. Okay. So there's there's a show in, there's a radio show in the UK called Desert Island Discs. And so, and one of the questions that they ask, which, um, which, which, which is a good one is if you were transported to a desert island, what luxury, what one luxury would you take? And it can't be something that to get you off of the desert island. You know, you can't say, well, actually, okay. I, I can't, you know, it's got to be something like chocolate or, you oh. know. Hmm.
1: Can't say that I, I, I need my private jet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're you're, stra- you're stranded on the island for, you know, for as long as whatever it will be. So what luxury would you take? You know, are you going to take a Cuban cigar? Or are you going to take, well, what, you know, a bottle of champagne? What is it? I
0: love it. I am very curious. I look forward to hearing the answer to that yes. one. This is probably the first one I feel. comfortable. I'd have to think about it, but I kind of like. Well, yeah, I really. I,
2: that's great. Yeah, and someone actually said the other day I was listening to the show, and someone said that they would take a mirror, and I thought, oh my god, that's that's quite you know that's quite vain. Um, and then he explained it, and he said, but because if I'm the only human on there, I kind of want to see another human. So if I hold the mirror up to my face, at least I can see somebody else.
0: Wow, getting deep on desert island disc. I
2: like it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Chris, I cannot thank you enough for taking part in the, This is the kickoff to the British invasion. I cannot think of a better person for us to get started. Appreciate you so much what you're doing, especially in the HR podcast community. And I know most of our listeners here probably don't know you. We want to rectify that. Best way for them, best way for them to reach you out there.
2: OK, uh, Chris at UpAndReadyHR.com. We
0: will have that in the show notes and we'll have a link to the to the podcast as well.
2: I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed speaking to you both. Um, it's been a huge privilege, and I, I absolutely adore the work that you do, and I think it's, it's, it's been a huge honor. So um, I'd like to say thank you very much indeed for having me.
0: This has been a joy and a great way to start. Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there?
1: Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily and dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And, of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Please join us on Twitter for the twice monthly HR social hour Twitter chat. How about you,
0: John? John Thurman for all things are johnthurman.com for all things, John Thurman and for the show, HR social hour podcast.podbean.com follow as the cool kids say. Now don't subscribe, follow whatever platform you're on. Follow us international listeners. We're going to say it again. You're getting an entire month of international guests. There's no excuse for you not to contact us. Let's talk. Let's let's get something set up. And Chris will tell you where it's fairly painless. I like. Yes. Hopefully, he'll tell you that. And <laughs> but <laughs> let's continue the conversations because we are so excited to continue yes. to build this community on, on uh, globally. And it's been this is just a start. So Chris, again, really appreciate you being with us. So for the HR Social Hour half hour podcast, I'm John,
1: and I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect,
0: give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody.
1: We'll see you soon.